It's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Benny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy here. Terry TB Brown is on the way. We got a big, fun show, like we try to do each and every week. Coming to you courtesy of the BS3 Network, BS3 Sports. Big weekend for the network. We'll get into that. Big weekend for TB and myself going back to Kentucky. We talked about it last week. Uh, a little bit, the episode uh, with Renee Washington on. If y'all hadn't checked that out, go back and check it out on YouTube or Roku. Listen on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff where you can get the podcast each and every week. Go to BS3 TV Live and watch uh, episodes. Got episodes on demand. Got about 10 there in the rotation. So if you miss some or want to go back and rewatch some, you're able to do so. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, we also have a guest as well as talking about the network weekend, the Cats Talk Wednesday weekend. Uh, Gabrielle Starr is going to be joining us. She's a reporter for the Boston Herald, covers the Red Sox, uh, and she's well versed in all the other sports as well, just like Renee Washington was last week. Uh, be able to talk Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, NBA, NFL. She's all over it. She's doing her thing up there in the Northeast. So we'll have Gabrielle on here in just a little bit. Um, got TB coming on here in just a little bit, like we said. So, well, as you mentioned, as we mentioned, we both were in Lexington. We weren't able to be there at the same day, the same time up there at Comedy Off-Broadway. We got to see the homie, uh, Roy Wood Jr., who was back in Lexington last weekend, doing a couple shows on Friday and a couple on Saturday. So uh, we'll recap all of that. Um, I was at the first show on Friday. TB was there on Saturday. A uh, friend of the show, I remember the episode, Charles Moore, who was the up-and-coming comedian as well. He was there in Lexington. I, I missed him, too. So, look, a lot of folks was in Lexington at the same time, but everybody was kind of moving and shaking and missing each other, even though we was all there for the same thing. Uh, the summer, Charles was there. Uh, got the post up and chopped up with Roy, just like TB and I did. So, uh, a fun time was had by all, and we'll get into that before the show is over with. Fall camp is wrapping up. For Kentucky football, today is August 23rd, so that means we are about 10 days away from the kickoff football time in the Bluegrass. The Cats will be taking on Ball State, so you know the time now to get ready to start you know, hitting other people, seeing different colored jerseys. The grind fall camp is over. The uh, somewhat monotony of it is over. The good thing is the Cats got through it without, you know, a, a killer injury. We've seen that in the past where, you know, the depth takes 
a blow uh, in camp. Don't even get to the season at full strength. And that's part of it. You know, that kind of thing happens. Uh, we, we saw it with, with Landon Young. We've seen it in the past. And so from that standpoint, they were able to get through the season and, and be healthy, not sustain any injuries uh, before getting to week one. So that is that is great. Um, Vince Merrill the other day talking to the media because the offensive coaches and players that alternate, you know, so the offense talked, I think yesterday, and the defense will talk tomorrow, but you know, Coach Merrill basically said, look, man, I got – I got a problem. It's a good problem to have because the, the tight end room is loaded as far as trying to get all the guys playing time. You know, Barry Anderson, Brendan Bates, Jordan Dingle, Josh Caddis, uh, Isaiah Cummings. It's, you know, just dude after dude after dude. And, you know, nationally might be under the radar, you know, even in the SEC, not going to get as much love as, look, you know, Brock Bowers, dude from Georgia, everybody's going to be talking about him. He's a monster. But collectively, uh, talent-wise, you know, Kentucky's tight end room, you know, they're not going to take a back seat to anybody. And they're definitely anxious to show that. Um, Larry is a guy who will probably do more work with the intermediate type stuff. You know, his accuracy is unmatched. You've been hearing guys rave about that in practice. Brennan Bates is wanting to show that he's more than just a blocking tight end. So these guys are are, are loaded, and the, the depth there is one of the deeper positions on the team. Uh, and like Liam Cohen said, can be used to kind of offset maybe areas where they're not as deep as they want to be or I'd hope to be at receiver. Uh, we know Dane Key and, and Barry and Brown, uh, Tavian Robinson should be – on paper, if it plays out on the field, a formidable big three, but then maybe it drops off a little bit as far as experience and getting guys reps and things of that nature. So what you lack in maybe receiver depth, tight end, plethora of guys can kind of overshadow that, can kind of compensate for what you're lacking uh, or appear to be lacking when it comes to the wide receivers. So, We'll find out very, very soon. Before we know it, it'll be Kentucky and Ball State kicking off at Kroger Field. Got a few games this weekend. Not the full slate, but look, at this point, this happens every year. Everybody's just dying to see some football. You know, high school's already started. Um, you got the NFL preseason, and that's it's wetting your appetite. But now you get to see some college games that count with the week zero in Notre Dame and Navy. Um, I think Vanderbilt and Hawaii, um, San Jose State, USC. It's not a killer slate of games, but it's college football. And this will be, you know, last weekend was the last weekend without college football now because we'll, we'll have it from now on until, you know, the national championship you know, kicks off in 2024. So, the wait is over. The withdrawal symptoms everybody's been dealing with are, are finally going to be, you know, appeased, and we'll have football here. Fall sports will be kicking off. Everything will be going, and it always goes from not much of nothing in the summer 
to a whole lot of everything in the fall. That's the way it always works out. But got a good show. Got Gabrielle Starr uh, hopping on here in a little bit. It's going to be fun talking with her. Uh, TB is on the way. So like I always say, y'all won't be stuck hearing me just drone on and on and on. Have some interaction, have some dialogue, some trilogue, if you want to call it that. Um, but we'll take a quick little break, show you a little promo, some other shows that you can listen to and view on the BS3 network. Uh, the award show was this past weekend. We talked about that last week, uh, trying to get some votes for our following, and we got nominated for some things. We're grateful for all that. We'll talk about that as well. We get TV on here, but just a quick little promo for the forecast right now. It's we on Cast Talk Wednesday on the BS3 Network, a wonderful show that you can check out uh, as you peruse the BS3 Network and their great umbrella of podcasts, a variety of topics and shows that you can find that interest you. In addition to us doing UK sports each and every week, there's a 100% chance of a laugh thunderstorm. <laughs> Four men with different viewpoints take a movie, show, or documentary and review it uncensored, unfiltered, uncompromised, with no holds barred. Join BS3, Wilkes, King Doc, and HRAP B as they take on Hollywood their own way. BS3 Network proudly presents The Forecast, where HRAP B always predicts. If I owe you something, I ain't got it. And if you need it, get it from God. Live every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Central. Check your local listings for your viewing and listening pleasure. So the forecast is a wonderful show that you can watch. I'm not a movie guy. Everybody knows that. Y'all long-time listeners know that Terry has made fun of me multiple times about all the movies I haven't seen or how long it's taken me to watch a movie that, you know, pretty much everybody has seen or should have seen. I'm not a big movie guy. So, you know, I a lot of movies on the forecast I wouldn't, I might probably haven't seen. You know, TV's been on there reviewing stuff, reviewing documentaries. I think I've been a guest on there with, with Ben and H-Rap and Doc and all those guys. But I'm, I'm not the dude you want for that. And you know, everybody makes fun of me and, and clowns me. I remember Sierra Newton was on here from BBN tonight, you know, and clowning me on whatever movie it was that I hadn't seen. And when I have seen it, is you know, you know, the record player stops. Everybody's like, it's that shock. You know, people faking heart attacks because, oh, wow, you really seen that? Wow, really? But yeah, so sometimes I do catch a movie from time to time and it will shock everybody. Um, a little tweet from Kentucky Track a little bit ago. A friend of the show, uh, Kenny Harrison, won the semifinal heat in 12.33 seconds. Uh, our volunteer coach, uh, Devon Charlton, took the final automatic qualifier. So they are on to the finals uh, and the hurdles. We had Kenny Harrison back on when she was 
still at UK. She's went on to do big things as a professional. So congratulations to Kenny for doing her thing, continuing to represent, continuing to have a great career as a professional, continuing to represent the blue and white of UK, represent BBN. So congrats to, to Kenny Harrison on advancing to the final her event so good stuff there as well we are waiting our guest gabrielle star she's about to hop on into the green room and we will chop it up with her we'll get tbn to talk with her as well um coming to us from boston looking forward to talking some red Sox with her some baseball some mlb um oh types of stuff uh interesting topics we make sure the settings are good to where she's able to hop on let's see here do that I guess yeah I think we are good to go to have Gabrielle on here let's see authenticate Yeah, we'll get her on right now, and we'll have a fun conversation. So uh, we'll also talk with TB, too, about Mark Stoops. Uh, talking that talk a little bit. Um, <laughs> the, the, the kickoff luncheon in Louisville uh, at Churchill Downs, and, you know, that happens every year. You know, you go out and, you know, talk to some donors and some boosters and some alum and, you know, it's a little revenue deal and you, know, you pay your ticket and you get in and get access, get to have a little Q&A session with the coach, uh, show some highlights, some video clips. And once again, it's just one of the little annual traditions. No doubt coaches across the country are doing similar types of things, but Coach Stoops does it in Louisville. You know, plenty of UK fans in Louisville as always. But the Governor's Cup was there. And everybody knows that, well, if you don't know, Kentucky and Louisville play for the Governor's Cup on rivalry weekend. Um, you know, got the Civil War with Oregon, Oregon State, everybody playing for something, you know, regionally. But for Kentucky and Louisville, it's the Governor's Cup. And Kentucky has had the upper hand in the series for quite some time. And, um, the Governor's Cup was there at the event, and Coach Stoops says that he was surprised to see it in Jefferson County because it hasn't been up there in a while because Louisville hadn't won in a while. So cool to see Stoops talking that talk. I saw somebody in county. And we got Gabrielle having a little trouble with her mic, so let's see if we can get that. I think she's getting her Chrome situation updated but um it was cool to see stoops go ahead and say a little something something because um he's look we've seen him around for a long time he's been here over a decade he kind of maybe doesn't let his hair all the way down with the media he kind of stays a little more reserved there's moments where he has some fun interactions, some fun back and forth, especially with those who come on a regular basis. 
You know, Lonnie Demery comes to mind. He jokes with Lonnie a lot, as well as others. Um, but, you know, it's, for the most part, he's just kind of, you know, that's what he has to do. So he's not very talkative at all. But sometimes he has more forthcoming. But this particular time, he kind of he kind of let that little shot out because Louisville was, was trying to refocus on the rivalry and, you know, Jeff Brown was over there and they're, they're going to be better and, and they want to keep the rivalry from being as one-sided as it is with Kentucky and Louisville. So it was cool to see Stoops go ahead and, and take a little shot. It was fun in games. It was harmless. Louisville fans got bent out of shape about it. But, hey, that's, that's what happens in a rivalry. If they had won five or six in a row in the series – and, you know, the Governor's Cup was still there for Jeff Brown's meeting with the media. He said, well, you know, this thing hasn't been in Fayette County in a long time because Kentucky hadn't won in a while. Same thing. That's all Stoops was doing. I guest is in the green room right now. She is a reporter for the Boston Herald. Uh, she also founded Girl at the Game. She is well-versed in all things Red Sox, MLB, NBA, no, she, she got it all covered. We got Gabrielle Starr making her first appearance on here with us. Gabrielle, welcome. Sorry about the little hiccup getting in, but proud to have you and glad you're here with us. Don't apologize. That was me because my computer never wants me to be able to log into any kind of video call on time, ever. <laughs> <laughs> For the a few weeks ago, I guess. It might have been opening day or around All-Star break. We had uh, Sarah Sanchez on who blogs for Blee Cubby Blue. And I love her. She is amazing. And she was having trouble getting in. And she was telling me it was something that some I had to do in settings to allow the guest in. I didn't even know what it was. And she was like, if you do this and this and this, it'll let me in. I was like, oh, thank you so much because I had no idea. <laughs> no, this was definitely me. This was not you at all. It just decided that I had suddenly revoked the permission for Chrome to let me have any audio or video. <laughs> and I have no idea why. So, <laughs> Who knows? Technology for us all. So are you like the socks have an off day today? Are you able to catch your breath because you were just... Grinding. I, I have an off day today. They do not. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, good for you. Good for mm. you. <laughs> well, I'll be working all weekend. So I understand. As far as them, like you said, working their way back into, you know, the playoff mix and kind of exceeding expectations and in the toughest division in baseball. Cause like if they were, if they were in the AL Central, they'd be, you know, cruising right now. Yeah. But, What's the vibe? What's the mindset as far as you, the the fan base? Was there is everybody thinking that they can finish this hard schedule and make it or, or what? You know, if you asked me two days ago, I would have been like, Yeah, they're totally they just swept the Yankees for the second time this this season. They're you know, they're crushing it. They're um but this week in Houston, they are not having a good week. They've left like 21 men on base over the first two games of this series. And before September 1st, they're in a stretch of 10 games against the Astros and the Dodgers. They've got four in Houston, three at Fenway hosting the Dodgers, and then three at Fenway hosting the Astros. And that's how the rest of their August wraps up. And to me, that feels like a make or break stretch for them where They've been pretty good against teams over 500 throughout the season. Like that's been the kind of weird thing that 
you know, they'll lose two out of three to the Oakland A's and they'll lose two out of three to the Washington Nationals, but then they're like dominating the Rangers or eight and one against the Yankees. Not that the Yankees are good now, but earlier in the season, it was, it was a tougher kind of situation. They're, they swept the, the Blue Jays. They swept the Blue Jays in four games in May at Fenway. They hadn't done that in like 30 years. So you kind of look at that and you're like, well, if they could just get into the playoffs, they're already holding their own against these teams that will be in there. But now they're not really doing that either. They're, uh, they've had two very, very bad games against Houston. And um, they just like – can't figure out how to plate runs it's not like they're not getting the opportunities they were three for 18 with runners in scoring position on monday night uh and the biggest hit they had was in the first inning when duval had a three-run homer and after that it was like i think they scored run one run the entire rest of the game last night they didn't score a run till the eighth inning a duval solo homer they lost seven to three um you know they 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 just aren't consistent enough offensively and the defense has been a mess all season. They lead MLB with like 90-something errors. I think 90 errors. And no other American League team had more than 80 last I checked yesterday. So it's, it's, it's just not a clean enough product on a consistent basis, which is a frustrating thing to see because cultivating consistency has been Chaim Bloom's mantra since he took over with you know a farm system that's consistently churning out prospects uh, a team that's consistently competitive, uh, players that are consistent in what they do. And so far, none of that is materialized. Uh, and we are now, this is the fourth season of his tenure here. I would say the farm system is the best thing that he's done so far because that is now churning out good talent. Um, they're number five, according to Baseball America. Uh, and obviously that's the kind of thing that it takes time to get to a point where you can be consistent. But, you know, at this point in the season, it's like you can't, you can't be doing the things you're doing and then still say, well, we just have to play better. Cause at the end of the day, it's August 23rd. You're not playing better. You're in some ways playing worse than you were playing a month ago. So I, <laughs> I don't know. Cause leaving a bunch of runners on, and leading the league in errors, that's a that's a bad combination. Uh, they made as many errors last night as they plated runs. They had three errors last night. They scored three runs. I, I don't I don't know what to say about that. You can't you can't do that. Um, you I mean you can? You just can't do it and think you're going to go to the playoffs. Exactly. You can't win consistently playing like that for sure. Are you from Boston or originally? Wow, wow. I'm a third gen uh Red Sox person, I guess. I can't call myself a fan right. nowadays, but right. I grew up a Red Sox fan and uh my dad's side have been Red Sox fans. I don't know about my great grandparents, but I know at least three generations of Sox fans. Right. Uh so yeah, it's I mean it's 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 uh it's a it's a lot of my life has been very blessed by this team. Uh, but it also, it's also frustrating to, to watch them make things harder for themselves. Um, cause you know that these guys work hard. Every MLB team's working hard. They're all out there. They're taking batting practice. They're doing their PFPs. Like they're, it's not like they're not putting in the work, 
But that almost makes it more frustrating because then you're like, you know, it's like, it's like you, we watch you study, we watch you do your homework, but then you're showing up to the test and you're failing. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, well, what's like, what's missing here? You know, what is the disconnect between the practice and making, you know, perfect basically. Um, And, and with them, it's more just like that they're feast or famine, you know, they'll go through this, these stretches where they're, the offense is just on an absolute tear. Then they'll go through a stretch where like the offense is missing in action. And you're like, well, how is the same guy that, you know, had 10 home runs over 30 games since the all-star break? Like, how is he now, you know, hitless in seven games? I'm not, there's no actual player that's in that current situation. I'm just thinking of something extreme. Uh, Though Tristan Costas has homered like 11 times since the all-star break. So uh, it's just, it's just, there's a matter of consistency and it feels like, you know, the, the way that you, that you build a, a winning team is you have it so that the players are picking each other up. Right. So if like one guy is struggling, somebody else is picking up like in the 2018 ALCS Mookie Betts was not having a good postseason. Jackie Bradley Jr. is the guy that stepped up in that ALCS. They don't go to the World Series without Jackie Bradley Jr. because he has 10 RBI and they're all on two out extra base hits, including that grand slam. You know, Mookie Betts didn't hit his first career postseason home run until the World Series, and it was the last game of that World Series. And he'd already been in two postseasons before that, though they were very brief. So, you know, you have to have the, a team where – you know, if Justin Turner can't play because he's still dealing with his heel injury, somebody else is 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 coming in and, and coming through with that big hit. Uh, and, you know, if Adam Duvall is out, you know, it has to be Jaron Duran or vice versa. And at certain points in the season, you have seen that. You have seen this team be that kind of team where everyone's coming through in a different day. You know, it's not like you got a David Ortiz where the guy's got 40 home runs and he's just always the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Devers has been more like that lately, but he was kind of hot and cold at the beginning. So it's like if you don't have that big bat that you know, you know, nine times out of ten is is, is the guy, then you got to have a team where it can't be one guy can't hit and all of a sudden no one's hitting. Because, like, last night, if they don't have Justin Turner in the lineup last night, they are losing seven to one and it's like you you, okay but then you know book your vacation for october 3rd yeah second so you said that this team as as head scratching as they have been swept toronto in may in a four-game series at fenway and that's for the first time that's happened in like 30 years. You're telling me like the 014, the 017. Well, not a four game sweep. Yeah. So four games. I mean, it's very specific, but four game sweep at Fenway. Right. I guess we should bear in mind that like there used to not be. I mean, there's it's not like four game series are as common as like a three game series. So right, that's, right. that's obviously part of it. But yeah, I mean, you know, the American the title teams, always. The title teams had, didn't even do that in the, I mean, the peak. This is pre-Pedro Martinez. We're talking wow. like, I don't. I mean, this is like Roger Clemens era Red Sox. 
uh, you know, Wade Boggs still playing on other teams, Red Sox, Ugh. that were pulling this off, which is kind of funny because it shows you how random baseball and baseball stats can be that like, you know, that's a really impressive stat. That's really fun. It was crazy when it happened in May. Uh, and then again, it's like, all right, cool. But in like 1992 or whatever, when that happened, they were, <laughs> they were already 70 plus years into the curse of the Bambino and yeah. they weren't going to reverse it for another 12 years. So like, great, cool. You swept the, the Blue Jays in four games. You still finished the season with nothing to show for it for the yeah. 75th year in a row or whatever <laughs> it is. And then, you know, you got, you got a team like the 2021 Red Sox and they come into the season, they're projected to win 79 games they go to the ALCS and they're one game away from the World Series in the year that everyone predicted that they were going to be last place again so I, I mean that's the good and bad thing about this game it's it's anyone's game anything can happen that's it my co-host Terry Brown is backstage we'll bring him in as well and keep it going welcome in TV man the real world real jobs they stink man I got I got things to do. I got to talk sports, man. Man, trying to keep me down, but good to be here. Good to see you, Vinny. Good to see you, Gabriel. Thank you for joining us. It is my pleasure, Terry. This is like the coolest thing because you and I have been Twitter friends for for a long time, years. So yeah, yeah. This is, I'm so honored that you guys invited me. Yeah, and I I like the baseball. Yeah, you, I sometimes you, like the baseball. <laughs> you followed our little show account. A long time ago, and I was like, "Wow, that's that was nice of her." So we followed back, and then got a support. I thought, "Let's try to get her on." And talking a little bit about some Red Sox TV, but as you know, Gabrielle is well versed in everything, so we'll we'll get to some NBA a little bit, and you know, and all that. (laughs) The well versed is going to go out the window real quick. I'm I'm an eye test girl for the NBA. I see you tweeting about the Celtics and and Joe Mazzula, and then we we got to get a little get your thoughts on how new that roster is going to look when they play again. So, uh, but yeah, TB, that's just, you know, let you know what we've been talking about. The, the Red Sox are just making everybody up there, pull their hair out. That's basically what we've been, been talking about. Well, they've had a pretty good run the last 20 years up there in the Northeast between the Celtics <laughs> and the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Bruins. And uh, they, they're okay. <laughs> Look, you won't hear any complaining from me. In, in 2019, I got a lot of crap from Red Sox fans because I was like, you know what? This fan base needs some perspective. I'm like, you just finished a winning season. You won your fourth World Series in the last 20 years. In this century, you got more World Series than any other team. To say nothing of the other teams in this region. And you're whining because you didn't make the postseason because injuries happen and, and shit happens. Like, are you kidding me? The last time the Cleveland team won a World Series, my grandmother was in high school. Like, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have any patience for people in Boston who whine about this stuff. Like, you can be mad about certain things the Red Sox do. You can be mad about the way that they're playing. You can be mad if you don't think that they're trying to build a contending roster every year. But at the end of the day, if the only thing you're mad about is that they are not going to another World Series. Like, get in the fucking line. There are teams that have never won a World Series. There are teams that haven't won a World Series in my parents' lifetime. There are people who have waited so many years to, to see a Red Sox, to like, to, not a Red Sox, to see a their team World Series. And I'm like, 
we got ours. Boston got ours and then some and then some and then some. Like, yeah, it'd be nice. Sure. Cool. I mean, also now I'm like, I want to go on vacation in October because I need a break because I'm tired. But like, I just at a certain point, you sound like the Yankees. You sound like Yankees fans. And no Red Sox fan wants to sound like a Yankees fan. You got nine championships. Only two other teams in MLB have more than that. And that's the Cardinals. And you don't hear their fans bitching and moaning. And then the Yankees. And their fans are always bitching and moaning. So, like, you know, who do you want to be? You want to be classy or you want to be whiny babies? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I have no patience for it. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I get emails in my inbox, my work inbox from readers being like, this is unacceptable. I'm like, they exceed the luxury tax more than almost any other team over the last 20 years. They have more championships. They've gone to the postseason like as much, if not more, than any other team, basically. Uh, they're in the hardest division. They have yeah. no control over injuries. Like, I, like, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, a lot of these people are also people who, like, were kids growing up before 2004, and I'm like, so you remember waiting decades. Like my dad waited decades. My great uncle is 105. He was born in 1918. He was an infant when they won the World Series with Babe Ruth. And he literally waited 86 years. I'm like, there are people in my emails, because most of my emails are from like grumpy, like 50-year-old guys <laughs> who are trying to tell me what's what. And I'm like, dude, I know that you were a kid watching like Carlton Fisk. You know what it was like to wait. You remember that feeling, and yet somehow you still feel entitled to more rings when somebody your age has never seen one, and their team's like almost never in the postseason, let alone making the push to the ALCS to the World Series. Like this team might not win a World Series every time they go, but for one thing, they win most of them. And for another thing, even if they're not, like this team was in the ALCS two years ago. Like, Try to be a Brewers fan, or like, or like, like what that. are you whining about? Are you kidding yeah. me? Or try to be an Expos fan. <laughs> I, 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 they deserve a team. But my, my, my heart still breaks with '94. It's you know that's why I get to watch baseball. I get to watch it from afar. I, I, I can't be. It's 162 games. That's a long time to to be up and down on the emotional roller coaster and, and the people that live and die with every pitch. I, I can't that live like that. That used to be me. That used I, to be me. Yeah, but I can't live like that, man. <laughs> well, you got kids. You got a wife. You got a life. That's right. All these people that are like, and I know because I used to be one, and I look back now, and I'm like, God, I was such an unhappy, like, single, miserable, little 20-year-old, lonely college student who, like, was just, like, so – I was too in. I was too focused on it. And now I'm like, God. I'm so happy when I can like read a book and have a night off and, and like not, not be losing my mind because you know what you end up with like the arteries of like an 80 year old man who eats a cheeseburger for every single meal. Like you're, you're killing yourself. And this team, I mean, if I could send them the bill for all the gray hair that like this team has put on my head in the last two years, I would like, it's not like they're not stressing me out. But, like, that's the point. Like, you know that the team's going to stress you out whether you're watching the game or you're watching it, like, with the microscope, the living and dying with every pitch. So if you know that, you got to, like, protect yourself from it, you know? The TVs, 
daughters have, have went to you know some events with him when he's got to cover games and things like that and and oh yeah some uk media like anna trullo is, is a journalist have really hit it off his daughters what sent you down the road to wanting to cover the Sox? you're a fan you're a third generation fan but what sent you down to the path where i want to not only root for this team but then put on my media hat and start covering the team um I mean, I, I I had a class in college that was called the history of Boston. And um, I grew up hearing all these amazing stories from my family. I grew up right down the street from the ballpark. So like if there was a concert at Fenway, I would just open my bedroom window and I could, I could kind of hear like the faint sounds. Um, the first summer I was home from college, that's how I found out my mom knew all the words to I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys because she came into my room and I was like listening to the concert because I couldn't afford to go to a concert. And um, and she comes in and she's like, you are Matt? And she's like doing like the whole little dance and everything. I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. Um, but my, my dad uh, has a PhD in history and, and um, you know, writes and, and does stuff like that and, and taught and teaches university and taught at my high school and, and taught adult education. Um, and I just, I grew up in like a house with a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Um, Cause he's also a rabbi. So, you know, sermons and, and stuff like that. And um, I just was a big reader growing up and at bedtime it was always, you know, you can have like a Jewish story, like, you know, Jewish, like Torah or Jewish history, whatever, or you can have like a baseball story. And I went to Jewish school. So like all day long, I was like, all right, I'm good. Like I got, I got my, you know, my Jewish, my Jewish stories already. And uh, so instead I would ask for baseball stories and uh, we would play Stratomatic on the weekends and I would read. And then when I was in college, I took this class and we had to write a paper about like, you had to choose a significant like turning point moment in the history of like Boston or kind of the greater Boston area. Um, and I basically just, I wrote about Fenway park getting kind of saved in the early 1930s. Um, because when Tom Yawkey bought the ballpark and the team, uh, in the early thirties, you know, in the depression, Fenway Park was like kind of burned like there had been a fire and the like previous owner just like couldn't really afford to it was just very it was like very messy and so Tom Yaki is like well I don't care if there's a depression I'm a young multimillionaire from the south uh so he spent all this money to rebuild it and then like just as they were about to be done I guess there was another fire and they had to do like a whole nother reno so it was like it was you know um but Without him at that time in American history, there's no guarantee that the Red Sox, you know, that they would have been able to save Fenway and, you know, the implications for the region, whatever. So I wrote this paper. I get like an A plus, like I got like an A and then like bonus, like extra credit, which like they hadn't really told us was even a thing. And the college professor like sent the three page papers by the students to the class that like anonymously, like he didn't tell whose paper was whose, but he just sent out the three papers that he thought were the best papers. And one of them was mine. Um, and I kind of realized, I was like, oh, cool. So like, I like baseball. I like writing, um, you know, let's play around with this. 
Um, and then when I was older, I was very fortunate to have a family friend from my synagogue who works, worked for the Red Sox and, and continues to be affiliated with the organization, um, gave me tickets to my first ever opening day. And I'd never, I'd never been to one before. I was always in school, um, as big as my parents, as, you know, generous as my parents are about me being a psycho fan growing up. I was not allowed to skip school for like anything. Couldn't go to World Series parades or anything. And um, so I went and it was the first one without David Ortiz because he had just retired the, the year before. And to thank the guy, I sent him like an, I emailed him like a kind of just like a little essay on like, you know, what it was like to be at the first opening day without David Ortiz since 2002 and whatever. And he just wrote back, you're a sports writer. And like four months later, I wrote, I built the girl at the game website and I was already doing some freelancing for a site that no longer exists. And that was kind of it. Um, and I've done all these other sports related things along the way while having other industry full-time jobs before I was able to f finally transition into uh, this. Yeah. So who's your all-time favorite Red Sox? I mean, it, it's cliche to say Ortiz, right? But, like, Ortiz. Okay. <laughs> I, I just had to ask. I'm like, well, maybe it could be Pedroia, maybe Manny. I didn't know. I'm thinking, well, sorry. I can give you, like, like that's, like, my kind of, like, obvious answer. Um, my kind of, like, less obvious answer would be Johnny Pesky um, oh, because wow. he was with the organization for, like, over six decades as like a player on broadcasts, managing, coaching, like mentoring, all these different kinds of things. And he really just like, you know, he's a guy that I feel like as beloved as he is, his numbers retired on the wall and, you know, all these kinds of things as beloved as he is, I think he's still an underrated contributor to the history of this franchise. This is a guy who like, was blamed for them losing the 1946 World Series. Like, he was Bill Buckner before Bill Buckner. Like, he was before Bucky Dent with the home run. Like, it was Johnny Pesky getting blamed. Like, this is the guy that is the reason that instead of them reversing the curse before it was even known as the curse in, you know, less than 30 years, this is the guy that got blamed until the next guy came along to get blamed. And even then, he stayed affiliated with this organization and, you know, did not, like, didn't, didn't let that, you know, go away. And then in 2004, he's still affiliated, working with the organization. And at the, uh, at the World Series, he, you know, made the trip with the team and he was sitting in the stands in St. Louis. So he's watching the franchise that took a World Series from him all those decades ago and like I the same person that you know that gave me those tickets was sitting with him and he told me the story at Fenway Park one time and I was sobbing in public hearing this and I'm not going to tell it as good as as he does but basically they were sitting in the stands in like this area where you know people who work for the Red Sox they kind of like put a bunch of seats there right um, and towards the, like the late innings of game four, 
um, Dr. Charles Steinberg, the person who has, you know, kind of mentored me, um, he was sitting with Johnny and he noticed that as the innings were going on, Johnny was getting more and more agitated because, you know, it's like, it's game four. They just took four against the Yankees after being down three games. They've won the first three against St. Louis. And this is when things start to go wrong. You know, in their postseason history, it's like, it's not like they were never making the postseason. It's like they would get to game seven and they would need one out and and something would go wrong, right? Or, you know, they would have a 14-game lead in the over the Yankees and then Bucky, the Yankees would come back and Bucky Dent would hit that home run. Like there was always something where you could never get comfortable. And I remember too that in 2018, Google had the day before the last game, Google already, if you searched World Series, it, Google was already saying the Red Sox won the World Series. And I tweeted it. And Wade Boggs replied to me and was like, I saw this kind of shit in 1986. Like being like, no, like this is not over. Right. So he's sitting with Johnny Pesky. This is a guy who's been with the organization through all of these last minute, horrible, heartbreaking upsets. And Johnny's just getting like agitated. He's like, he's anxious. He like, he's like stressed. And this is an old man. So Dr. Charles is like, all right, like, I'm going to check. He's like, he's like, Johnny, do you want to go downstairs? Like, do you want to watch in the clubhouse? Like, like, this is a lot, you know? And the first time he asked him, he's Johnny said no. And then the second time he said, yeah. And as he stood up to go, all of these Cardinals people that were sitting in the stands gave him a round of applause. Mm. And I just, I can't imagine what it's like to go from, sorry, I'm like, I just can't imagine what it's like to go from being the villain, being the scapegoat for all those years and still staying around for it and being involved with that organization. Like Ted Williams wanted him to come work with him when he was the manager of the senator's and Johnny Pesky stayed, like, Johnny Pesky was here. He was, like, taking the crap here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't handle that. Like, could you handle people coming up to you on the street and being like, you let Eno Slaughter take the 1946 World Series, like, fuck you. Like, like I couldn't handle that, you know, for, for over a decade until somebody else messed up, right? And it was really nice that he got... He got to be there in the clubhouse with the guys celebrating. He got a ring. And he he was, like, washed clean. Like, yeah. his entire <laughs> life changed in that night. It was like he was reborn. It was beautiful. So oh. that's my guy. Yeah, well, and then, of course, the 2012 Red Sox, only four guys went to his funeral, which is, of course, really respectful. So, oh. you know, classic oh. Boston mess so i didn't you know that's i went to a couple games me and my dad got to go and you know bucket list with the fenway you hear those names you know you you, you see the yawkey way out there you know pesky's pole but all of that that you just shared you know yeah, we don't know pole. that's his yeah pole. yeah yeah and just to know that you know all that history and everything that he went through you know just a couple of that that's it's unbelievable that story, like every time, if I even think about it, I get like tears in my eyes and it's not even the full 
when they won that game and they won the World Series, every single player went up to him in the clubhouse and hugged him and said, this is for you. Mm. So, like... Yeah, so I'm trying to make it right. That is, that is amazing. He's, so he's the guy. Yeah, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Oh, that's, I shouldn't have told that story. It gets me mess. It makes me a mess every single time. Oh, yeah. I, was, I didn't. If I led you that way, asking us. I no, no, that, no, so. no, no. I, I, <laughs> I chose to give my honest answer. Uh, so I, you know, and he deserves. He deserves to have that story told because so many of his teammates were not there you know he was one of the guys it was him and ted williams and bobby door and and dom dimaggio they were the quartet they were like the elite team of the of those of that era and he and bobby door were the only ones left to see it you know Mm. ted williams didn't even live to see uh I, i i think he died the year that this ownership group took over so he thought Fenway was going to get torn down when he was, you know, at the end of his life. Was uh, it 99 when the All-Star game was up there? When him and when he was, they were like, he was on the cart then. Yeah. And, you know, Tony (laughs) Gwynn and all those guys were, you know, showing him respect. And I just wrote about that actually, because I was writing about old time, like old timers games with the Yankees having uh, Jeter going to theirs. I mean, they're not doing a game. They're doing like the day panels and whatever, but I can't believe Jeter. Like, doesn't it make you feel old that we're like Derek Jeter's an old timer day participant now? Like, are we really at that point in life? Derek Jeter's my age, so yeah. You should at least least have to be 50 something before you even (laughs) qualify to be considered for an old timer. All these, all these teams have guys that were born in, like, 2003, 2004, 2005. I'm like, this is disrespectful. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm a 90s kid. So, like, I know I'm still – I just turned 30, like, a few months ago. That's, like, still pretty young in the grand scheme of things if you are, God willing, lucky enough to, to live a, a long life. But, like, it is, it is traumatic seeing a kid that like was not born when the Red Sox won in 04, like making their MLB. I'm like, no, that I don't, I can't, I can't do it. It's not, I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. Everyone was born in 1987. That's it. That's right. Going back to the ALEs, like if the Rays don't start 13 and 0, how serious is their fade right now? Because I think maybe y'all would already have, Leapfrogged them, leapfrog, whatever, whatever tense of English I'm supposed to use. Yeah, <laughs> leap, already... leap, I think it's like leap and then frogged. Leap period, frog. maybe I don't know. I yeah. just, it's whatever. It all sounds weird. It's all frogs, right? It doesn't really matter either way. Y'all could already be ahead of them had they not got off to that ridiculously fast start. Yeah, I, I mean, but then there's the Blue Jays too, you know, and and. I think, you know, and the Red Sox started the season with a couple key players that, like, weren't ready opening day. You know, Paxton wasn't back the first month or so. Uh, you know, Whitlock came back, like, a, a couple – a little bit late. Brian Bayo came back a little bit late. It's honestly – I feel like it's impressive that the Red Sox, even the last two games notwithstanding – like they have a winning record in August when I think most people were going to write them off by June. 
Like coming into the season, people were predicting this to be another 78 win season. And now, of course, if they are terrible the rest of the way, it could still be a 78 win season. But like it's August 23rd. They do have an above 500 record and they are not the last place team in their division. And I don't think anyone expected that to be the case by this point. You know, like I always think it's funny when people say, oh, like it's only April. Cool. So this game counts less than the other game. Like a win is a win, a loss is a loss. Like, yeah, maybe down the stretch it's a tighter race and you'll wish you won more of those games in April, but that's kind of proven the point, right? Like you win more games in April, maybe you're not, you know, claustrophobic in August and September. I I I don't know. I mean, the Red Sox lost on opening day this year. They lost by one run. But they trailed like nine to one or nine to two going into like the last couple innings. Like they they came one run away from coming back. And um, I, I don't know. I, I think part of me is like, all right, cool. So you've shown us that you can be a better team than you've been this week, as in like literally over the weekend when you swept the Yankees in three games for the second time this season. Like, Everyone knows that you can be less sloppy. You can be better with runners in scoring position. Like we've, cause we've seen it, right. We're like over a hundred games into the season at the same time. It's like, you're, you're already doing better than most of the experts said that you were going to do. So like, it's kind of like, all right, it's, you know, take kind of like you take what you can get at a certain point. If they were last, like last year, it's like last year was worse because, you know, they're doing all this over the luxury tax threshold and they had players that they could have traded to get under it. And then they would have come into the off season with like more prospects and no luxury tax. And like maybe this year they're, they build a little bit more towards this year and they didn't do that. Um, but it's also hindsight 2020. Like, you know, if we'd only done this in April, you, we'd be better than the Rays if the Rays hadn't done this. But, like, there's nothing they can do about that, right? You know, the, in 19, what is it, 78, the Bucky Dent thing was 78 or whatever. When Bucky Dent hit that home run, like, they came into September with, like, a 14-game lead on the Yankees for the pennant. And then all of a sudden they're playing a tiebreaker on the, on the day after the last day of the season. Like I, I, you know, everyone, everyone's either happy or mad either way. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I, I think next year's a year that they're like a legit force because it's not just that the East is shaking out so differently than people thought it was like people pick the Yankees every single year. I'm like, have you looked at the Yankees? Like they got, they got nothing going. Like, I, all right, keep picking them. Um, but, you know, the Rays have had a lot of injuries that are like long-term recovery situations. So that's, even though they somehow managed to have a farm system with everything they could possibly need at every possible situation, like that's still a huge blow for them. And the Wander Franco situation, whatever this yeah. is, yeah. doesn't seem good seeing as they're taking – stuff with his face down from the ballpark mm -hmm. uh you know like you can say oh he's just on administrative leave and i'm not going to speculate at all on the actual situation but you know from like a pr standpoint 
if you're taking that stuff down, that sends an interesting message. And there's no way that they don't know that that sends a message because, I mean, you have whole PR departments to talk to about this kind of stuff. So they know the optics of, you know, pulling the poster down and they still did it. Uh, So that's, that's interesting. Um, The Orioles are poised to be good to very good. You know, they've got the number one farm system. They're great right now. Uh, But if John Angelus doesn't spend, you know, there's always going to be a team that can spend more. And um, I don't know. I think the Red Sox this off season, they go into this off season with a chance to, to, to come out of next year, like come out of the gate screaming, right? Because they've got the number five farm system. Nobody needs that many top prospect infielders. There's there's too many. So you got trade chips. You got trade chips people actually want now, which has not been the case for most of the last five years. You got players people want, and we know that because people are inquiring about certain have inquired about certain players. And you got financial flexibility because everyone knows a team valued at five billion dollars needs that financial flexibility. And you got you got Devers. You got a young. You've got a young core. You got. Devers, you got Casas, you got Duran, you got Masataki Yoshida, you got a healthy Trevor Story, you got Brian Bayo, you got Connor Wong. Like, you've got a core now. So, this is the offseason where it's like, all right, you haven't wanted to go crazy. You haven't want to be, you haven't want to look desperate. You know, Chaim Bloom said at the trade deadline, we're not going to make moves just to make moves. He said it like 30 times in the hour after the trade deadline. I'm like, all right, cool. So, you didn't do that. But this offseason, it's not making moves just to make moves. It's making moves to make moves. And you can do it now. And the question is, are you going to do it? Because so far, the only crazy move he's made is trading Mookie Beth. And that was a very different kind of move. Uh, Now it's about how crazy Dave Dombrowski-esque are you willing to get with your farm system to build a winner? Because Dombrowski's like, ah, I want Chris Dale. I want Craig Kimbrell. I'll do like, you know, oh, David Price, 200 plus million dollar free agent contract. Go ahead. Like yeah. Rick Porcello, come here. JD Martinez, great. Let's do it. Like he's doing it. And he offered Mookie Betts a contract too. And he extended Valdi and he extended sale. Like that's a guy who, you know, people can be upset about the farm system all they want. But like, for one thing, he built an amazing farm system in Detroit. He rebuilt that team. They were terrible before the early 2000s. He rebuilt them. He drafts Verlander. He like all these guys, Castellanos. He just took the Phillies from the longest NL postseason drought to the World Series in his first full season as their, you know, GM or whatever he calls himself. So I'm very curious to see is Chaim Bloom ready to be like, all right, I've got the prospects. Do you want them? Because so far he's he's turned down some some deals and he's had high asking prices for certain players like you know JD Martinez last summer. That was like with the Mets, like he wanted a lot for two months of JD Martinez, and Martinez wasn't even hitting homers like he usually does. So I'm like, all right, well, this season, this winter. You know, is it, is it, were you stockpiling them for this one, for this big moment, or are you just stockpiling them? Because 
there, there's a difference. And, yeah. and uh, you know, until until recently, the Rays were one of those teams that stockpile that just stockpiles. Um, now they suddenly spend, and of course, you know, look what happens. Yeah. But that's my long-winded answer. I think. I think. <laughs> I think this is the this is kind of the the put up or shut up off season for them of like, if you finish this year with a winning record, even if you don't make the postseason, if you finish this year with a winning record and you've already improved your farm system rankings considerably, and that's without Casas because he's, he's not a prospect anymore. Masataka Yoshida, not a prospect though. I never really thought he was, but apparently technically prospect rookie, whatever. Bayo is not a prospect. You know, all these guys are aged out and your farm system is still improving by respected evaluators, you know, judgment. You got, you know, you're resetting the tax. What are you going to do now? Because if you win, if you if you're over 500 at the end of the year, you've improved. You have improved. That's true. <laughs> so are you going to keep improving? Because that's that, every year that Dave Dombrowski was here, they got closer and closer in the postseason. And every winter when they didn't get all the way there, I'm saying every, like it wasn't like three years. But, you know, he comes in in 2015. He immediately makes moves. 2016, they win the division. They get swept in the ALDS. He makes more moves, right? He adds Sale and Kimbrel. Next year, they go three, they go, you know, one and three in the ALDS, but they win the division again and they're clearly closer and they've got some injuries, whatever. And they have no David Ortiz because apparently they just thought they didn't need to replace David Ortiz for a year. I mean, you don't have to, but then you're going to finish last in the American League in home runs. So, I mean, it's up to you. Next year, J.D. Martinez. 108 wins, World Series. You know, he saw what they needed every single winter, and he went out and got it. And, like, people can complain about, you know, the mess later, but if you want the omelet, you got to break the eggs, right? And, and, and that's kind of the point, right? You're either developing your prospects – to, to play them or you're developing them to trade them. Yep. You're not developing them to hold them for as long as you can in the minors, just to say you have them because mm-hmm. there's no trophy for that. The only way you get a trophy for having a good farm system is if you use your farm system to build a world series team. Otherwise you don't get a trophy. That's right. Well, Gabriel, we have enjoyed it. Glad it finally worked out <laughs> to have you on, and and here you are on a, a night off and, and hopping on here and chopping it up with us and dropping knowledge. So we definitely appreciate it. And it is my pleasure. Congrats Sorry for on... the rambling. I no, no. It's nice to actually talk baseball with people because that's different than writing baseball by myself. Mm-hmm. I understand that. <laughs> Congrats on Grill at the Game, GrillTheGame.com, your podcast, your website, and. We'll have to do it again if you're if you're free and want to help again. Anytime, we'll, yeah. gotta talk uh, Cubs sometime because they they're very interesting. Yeah, that's Terry's and uh, the, and the white White Sox. <laughs> A disaster. Is it like uh, what two steps forward, four steps back? We're like, oh yeah, congrats, we we finally changed our management. We also brought back Tony Larusa. <laughs> that's like giving someone a present and then smacking them in the face with the present you're like here's your birthday gift what and why? now why why and are they leaving there's talk that maybe they're going to nashville or what are what are what's really going on in Ronsdorf and 
And first of you know all, every, every owner lives to be a hundred years old. He's he's gonna live another twenty years, just like Jerry Jones and just like Al Davis. Right. He's gonna be there for a while. He's eighty-seven. He's just getting started. So. And to me, he's been eighty-seven for like my entire life, and I'm thirty. So I'm. It's kind of like how I always think Ron Gardenhire has been the same age for like my entire life. Like it's just it's. I don't know. I maybe it's just because these are people that I saw when I was a kid, so I just think of them that way. But I, you know what? I'm just I'm so sick of billionaires, like holding like holding their teams hostage if they don't get what they want from the place that houses them. Yes. Like Fisher with the with the A's. I'm like, dude. You could build 10 stadiums and you'd still be really rich. And if you just built one stadium, you'd make all that money back because you would be doing something for the fan base, which would then make more people actually want to be fans. Like you don't think that a new ballpark in Oakland would make people want to come and see what a new ballpark looks like since they haven't had one since the beginning of time. You don't think that people who thought that the team was sticking around would want to raise their kids to be Oakland fans because that's the thing. Like if you're just threatening to uproot your team whenever you don't get your way, like pick up your marbles and walk away, you're all about the short term. You're all about inflating this bubble and then you're going to get out before the bubble pops and you're going to saddle somebody else with it. Um, And I, I mean, I find it really despicable, especially just because in the current world, uh, any billionaire being like, oh, my God, I, I can't afford the rent on this ballpark. So I guess I'm going to leave. Like, yeah. really? Really? You know how much sports writers make? No. Like, you know how much minor leaguers make? Well, you do because you're underpaying them. Right. Like, I, I, I just it's it is of all the people to be doing this stuff. It it pisses me off to no end. And it, it makes me really sad because. These people don't seem to understand that the places where their teams live, like the places where the the communities where these teams are, they're the lifeblood of their teams. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a fan base, eventually no TV station is going to want to put on your games. You're, You're like, what do you need a ballpark for? You got no fans. You know, who's buying your concessions? Nobody. So all of your money, the root of all of it, the root of all your success is continuous consumption by the people. It should be at least a little bit more democratic than it is. And yet instead, these guys are marching around like tyrants or dictators being like, if I don't get my way, I'm going to storm off. All right, cool. Have fun in the Vegas desert with like no consistent fans because most people go to Vegas to visit, not to live. So you're not cultivating enough of a fan base Mm -hmm. and i say that respectfully to to the people of las vegas because i know that many people do live there but like it's the same thing with orlando you know orlando would be good if you wanted to to bundle it with disney and have it be like you know one day at disney world and one day at an orlando baseball game cool but like that's chicago is a passionate city full of people who've been there forever and this is their team this is an original american league team you know at least with the A's, it's like, we're already used to this. They were in Philly. They were in Kansas City. They were in Oakland. I'm not saying I, I agree with it. I'm saying, like, it's just they move around a lot because 
they've already been uprooted, but like you can't, I I'm a purist. You can't keep uprooting these old teams. You know, if the Red Sox tried to even breathed the idea of moving somewhere out of the city of Boston, there would be like people with literal torches. It would be like beauty and the beast level mob scene outside Fenway park. There would be people chaining themselves to the ballpark. There would be people picketing outside these, these front office people and ownership people's houses. Like, as well they should. You know, like, you can buy this team, but you know what? The families that are multi-generational that have been there, they were there before you, and they'd be there after you, and they're there when it's good, and they're there when it's bad. They're not just showing up to pick up the trophy and hoist it in the air as if they're the one that won it. They're the people that are sitting there in the last place finished seasons, and they're still paying and putting money in your pockets for a team that they loved before you even thought about placing a bid for them. So like, it just, I, the idea that Reinsdorf or Fisher or any of these guys would dare, like, it makes me so mad. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, Red Sox fans like to complain about a lot of things. They have some justified complaints, some very unjustified complaints, but the one thing that you have that people don't, I don't think people give this ownership group credit for is that they're the only ones that saved Fenway Park. The previous ownership group wanted to tear down Fenway Park. And pretty much any other bid would have probably done the same thing. And they came in and they not only said, we're going to keep this thing going, you know, for now, it's like 20 plus years down the road. They have spent over a billion dollars not just keeping the ballpark standing, but actually upgrading it, expanding it, renovating it, making it cleaner, making it safer, making it more accessible, more seats. Yes, it's more expensive. There's lots of things. But like, if you love Fenway Park or even just you didn't want someone to just come in and put up some soulless mausoleum like Yankee Stadium, like that's a huge financial commitment for them to have made for decades when they would have saved a lot of money by doing the easy thing and tearing it down and building something else. And they didn't do it. And I don't think that people recognize that as much as there are other problems with the way certain things have gone down over the years, like that is, that is an impressive commitment to make considering this is a lot about money for these guys and the much savvier thing to do financially would be to say, sorry, we want a ballpark that can house more than 38,000 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of the Yankees games this weekend were sellouts. They were still at least 4,000 more people paying for attendance than you could fit in Fenway park. So like the fact that the fact that they've stuck by that, I, I think I think deserves at least for me because I love Fenway. Some people think they should tear it down, but yeah. I think I think that people don't appreciate that enough. So anyway, well, we appreciate you coming on here, absolutely, and spending time with us. <laughs> sure, and definitely love to have you back on. Anytime, guys. Next time, I'll uh, I'll talk less. <laughs> <laughs> no, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Thank you so much. First time on. Should have had you on way before now, but definitely glad that we made it happen this evening, Gabrielle. Anytime, guys. Thank you.
Thank you. Hope you have Thank a good you. Enjoy the rest of your night off. Gabrielle Starr, Boston Herald, girl at the game, girl at the game.com. All things Red Sox, man, all over it. So definitely appreciate that. And been knowing her for a minute and finally got her to hop on here with us. So it was good stuff, man. So how you doing, man? I uh, went home this weekend, had a good time going home and seeing and doing. I, I hit all my food spots. I was able to do that, so I was. That's always a good visit. For sure, for sure. We wasn't able to coordinate it, but Catch Talk Wednesday was at Comedy Off Broadway for the whole weekend, man. We was, we was back in Lex and got to got to see a homie Roy Wood Jr. Got to see him do his thing on the comedy stage and. Yeah, chop it up with him afterwards. Uh, our friend of the show, Charles Moore, was there. I missed him and missed you, and we was all there at different times. And <laughs> I, I, I missed a bunch of people in uh, in uh, in Lexington, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, but it was it was it was good. Uh, it first time I'd been in Lexington in a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but just had a great weekend uh, back home. Saw a lot of people. Got to watch some outstanding field hockey. There you go. Let me hear a little bit about that, too, as I get my charger from my laptop. I'll let you talk about that. And uh, I'm just going to step right over here and get this so I can plug up. But back for Little Miss's game, right? So Her first varsity game. And it didn't hit me. I took my mom. It didn't hit me because uh, we get there when they're warming up. And I'm like, oh, this is varsity. She's on the team, but she's not a starter. So I don't know how this is going to work. You know, was it <laughs> be safe? I came all this way. She doesn't even play. <laughs> uh, but she did. She came in in the second quarter, played all the second quarter, half of the fourth. And they won three to one. So that was uh, uh, that was good to see her play. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Was that the first game of the season? Uh, yeah. Cause, oh, man. Because JCPS had to cancel some days and, and things like that. So, uh, But, no, that was fun. And, like I said, got to hang out and see people and visit and uh, get some get some good eats. Got some indies. Uh, got some sharks. Uh, got some uh, uh, White Castle Ooh. that we uh, don't have here. Really? No White Castle in the island? No White Castle, man. I'm like, make a killing. I'm like, what do you, what do y'all do when y'all want to eat something bad? You know, uh, there's no Waffle Houses out here. Oh Lord, no, I don't know if I could. It it tried to explain to the folks about the Waffle House, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you see the videos of the people fight, but you know, Waffle House. Well, we, do you you plan to go? You don't plan to go to Waffle House. Waffle House is just where you end up. You, you you do something else and somebody else, and you know, you're out with some friends. They say Waffle House, then you just go. Did, did Roy do a little bit about Waffle House on the show you went to? Yes. You drunk, we open. Right. Like, <laughs> look, man. They don't even advertise. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, be the, the best part is, look, you know. This, this game ain't brought to you by Waffle House because they don't sponsor nothing. They don't even have. <laughs> like, you could just sit down. You can tell them your order. That may be what you get. It may not be. You just need to eat whatever the waitress brings to your table. 
they're gonna be rude. It's all right. Just, just yeah. If you if you looking for complimentary this this and this, that's not for you. Yeah, that's not what they're about. And I'm okay with that. Hey, it's you know, it's it's on point, man. There there might be a little fracas every now and then, depending on when you go and what time it is. If you if you're up there at two or three in the morning, something something might pop off. But that's right. That's you know, right. Uh, the, the, the waffle, the all star. I've been on the last few times. I've been getting that grits bowl, man. That's oh, it's it's, it's it's been a while since I since I have been. Uh, it's probably the same old stuff they've been serving. That's okay. I love waffle house, yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, but had a great time back in Louisville and uh, and visiting. You know, trying to see as many people as I can without going all over uh, all over the place. But uh, sometimes you come in, you incognito. Sometimes you come in and you try to see everybody. So you was trying to see folks this time around, right? Well, yeah, because you know, usually when I'm coming back, it's for something specific. Uh graduation, Mother's Day, something like that. So it's you know, I'm in and out, but I had some extra time. So I was just hanging hanging loose and seeing some folks and doing some things and um just good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun, man. I hate we couldn't both hit at the same time. Like you said, Roy was fun. He was funny. Uh, the openers for him were good. The Will McIntyre was, yeah. was good. I was. I told him, I was like, man, I wish you had a few more, a little more time. He was up there like five. It, it didn't seem long at all. No. The, uh, the Holly Lanay from your city of Louisville, who was the middle act, and she, she did her thing. Uh, she is a Cars fan. She said, I'm all right with Kentucky when they ain't playing Louisville. Like we talked about that after her performance she was funny she hurt you know you and i like comedy that's why we've had various different comedians on here we oh, i'm not trying to speak for you but we think we're funny i don't know we're not saying we can do what they do but we like to try to think we can make folks laugh a little bit because we've talked about that before she was interacting with a couple you, you know how it's laid out there in comedy off broadway right to her left probably about 10 or 11 o'clock first row she starts talking with her husband and wife and the husband the husband was laughing he was into it you know he was responding she was making her jokes about men what kind of sandwich you like and you know ladies you, you know the whole sandwich thing this wife i'll just say they if they're listening it was skip and linda Linda had no personality at all, sitting over there, straight face, barely chuckling, just not giving, you know, you know, the little back and forth or laughing or you say something back when the comedian says something. And Linda wasn't doing that. I'm like, come on, Linda, play along. But and that's what I, I, I said that to her afterwards. And she was like, yeah, she was kind of. And so, but, you know, it was she did good. She was funny. And uh Got my cape, one of those let a woman lead you shirts after it was over. So yeah. It was well, no, it was things. it was it was fun. I took my man Jack, we went and uh he took that great picture where it looks like Roy trying to talk to me after the show. <laughs> I had my phone out just the way he snapped, it looked like I'm the one that Roy trying yeah. <laughs> trying to see after the show. But it was and, it was good stuff. And of course, Mama B would Ain't gonna miss nothing. She definitely pointed that out. Like, yeah, she said. She said that shot looked like he's trying to get your autograph. I said, well, yeah, but he 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 did a solid though, because uh, uh, he said, yeah, man, your man was through uh, the night before. Said he was coming through. I said, cool, cool. 
and you know got the what's up and as i'm walking away he said you know uh you know i'll come back on the show or something like that and we'll hook it up or whatever he said now people looking like okay i'm like it is what it is man i don't know what to tell you that's right and you know afterwards because i went my i took my cousin with me and my cousin, the one that actually sent me a prank call, the first prank call I ever heard, my cousin sent it. I didn't even know who this dude was. And I was like, man, that's pretty funny. And so, you know, he's got them all on YouTube. You can go listen back when he was on the radio before he even really made it big as comedians. Me and my cousin went, and then he came up and ain't going to thank me for letting him come on. He's like, hey, he's like, thanks for, you know, thanks for bringing me on, man. And I was like, I'm like, man, you know, thank you for coming. You, you know, because, you do way more bigger stuff than us. You you hooking you know Bomani Jones and and Miss yeah. Pat and this and that. Yeah, and you thinking thanking us for having you on. I'm like, no man, appreciate you for you know for taking the time. But yeah, he was down to earth, humble. The comedy, it was just common sense every day. It was good stuff. Smart, Roy, logical, funny. It's just you know Roy, just, Roy's got a good set. Yeah, yeah. So I just enjoyed it, man. And glad we was both up there. Glad it was Lexington too. I saw him tweet out the tour at first, and it was Charlotte and it was Atlanta. And I was like, I probably run over to Charlotte because that's my little city anyway. I'm I'm three hours from anywhere and like going over to Charlotte. But when he redid it and saw Lexington on there, I was like, Oh, God, let's go and see him in Lexington. So Oh yeah. Yeah, it it, and it just worked out that, that weekend. Uh, that was this was the weekend I was able to to go home and, and take care of a bunch of stuff. So yeah. good stuff, man. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of your whole city, man, they had you know Coach Stoops was over there in Louisville, and he with the luncheon at Churchill Downs. You know the kickoff deal with the alums and the boosters, and and you know the Governor's Cup was there. <laughs> he said, I'm surprised to see that thing in Jefferson County. So he took, he let his hair down and took a little shot at the cars. And I was, I was here for it. I was here for Man, it. Man, one, this is what happens in the offseason. We have seen every coach and every rivalry do this in the offseason. Yeah. There's nothing groundbreaking to this. This is how, this is the time of year we got free shoes, you. This is when, you know, Steve Spurrier talked about you can't spell Citrus Bowl without UT. This is all that stuff, right? This is, yeah. you know, was it last year? This is the time of year when, uh, 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 oh, you know, at Texas A&M coach. I'm drawing an absolute blank. No, Jimbo. Jimbo, Jimbo threw stones at uh, Alabama during this time of the year. Like, this is what it is, man. Talking season, man. And, you know, I saw a bunch of Louisville fans. What is he, five years old? Bro, yeah, we know. Like, we know how this goes. But, yes, it has been 2,035 days since the University of Louisville beat the University of Kentucky in football. Mm -hmm. Would you like to know how long ago that's been? They beat uh, Louisville beat Kentucky in November of 2017. That was the year I first came to Iowa. That was the, the month I first came to Iowa to meet Kate. So since then, we went steady, got engaged, went viral, got married, moved, bought a house. All since, man, Louisville was beating Kentucky. That's how long it's been. Our entire relationship has happened. We have not been together in a world 
where Kentucky has lost to, uh, to Louisville in football. <laughs> and look, and it's all look. It's a great it's a great mindset they've got, right? He's uh, only beat because we had terrible coaches or whatever. I'm like, you had a Heisman Trophy winner. They're one of them L's. Like, what are we doing here? But you know, if if Kentucky wins, oh, this is year year one for Brown, right? You got to give him some time. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, if know. if if they win, see, told you, it's a, it's a great con if you can get it, man. Uh-huh. And you know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, I tried not to rivalry as much as I used to, but uh, in all of the hundred plus years Kentucky's been playing Louisville and everything, uh, hear them tell it. Kentucky's never beat them fair and square. It's always something. The coach, uh, you know, uh, you know how the referees are. I mean, it's always something. It's never just a straight up, hey, Kentucky might have been the better team. And I've always said that. You know, for a stretch there, the football was like, I thought pretty even, but Louisville always had one dude. One dude was Lamar Jackson. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one dude was, uh, oh, that receiver they had, Devontae Parker. Yeah. You know, they just had, like, one dude that was way better than everybody else. So, I give Louisville their props when they beat Kentucky, but come on, man. And if the shoe was on the other foot and Louisville had went 2,035 days without losing to Kentucky, you know, Brahma, whoever was the coach would, you know, this – you know, who knows when the next time this thing's going to be in Fayette County. It'd be something because that's just how this works. Petrino called us a bunch of bleeping Smurfs running around that blue, and they ate that stuff up yeah. when they won four games in a row. Look, so, you know, my thing is, look, it's it's rivalry season. When you win, you talk that talk. Uh, you know, here, Ferentz has talked about, uh, you know, the Minnesota, they play for that pig trophy. Uh, the pig's not going north of the border or whatever. Like that, look. Some coaches do it better than others, but this is the season yeah. for talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, this is going to be bulletin board material for Brom. And my whole thing is, look, man, when it comes to rivalries, you shouldn't need bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't matter. It. It, it, what, what should motivate Louisville this year is the, the 50 points they've been giving up the last couple of seasons. That should be your motivating factor. Mm-hmm. That you haven't beat Kentucky since 2017. That yeah. should motivate you, mm-hmm. regardless of what the uh, uh, coach says. No, and even and he didn't even say anything that bad. It's not like he was like, <laughs> you know, Cardinals. They the newest menu item on Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like he, that's not what he said. He was like, oh, that's crazy. See that here? Yeah, because and it that's... has because it has been sitting <laughs> in the Kentucky football facility. For five years, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's and for him, he don't he don't even do that much, you know. If so, I was glad he did because you know he'll he'll have his little back and forth with the media, you know. Lonnie Demery, he'll he'll make he'll make a joke with Lonnie or something like that, like I was saying earlier. But as far as just to really, he don't he don't really let it let it rip like that. For the most part, he kind of keep it close to the vest. So I was glad he made his little jab and. And took his little shot because uh, he normally doesn't do it, and I'm, I'm glad he did. You know, the last time it was when <laughs> Scott Satterfield was whining about the L's down, saying that they shouldn't do that. And, and Stoop said, he said he's a good man, which was kind of like translation gave him a bless his heart. He said he's a, he's a good man. 
that was the only time he really kind of indulged in the robbery that I can remember before it, yesterday. Right. So I I don't uh, you know whatever man. I didn't I didn't think it was that egregious. Uh, but you know it's rivalry. It's trash talk. Nothing ends trash talk. I mean nothing nothing ends trash talk. Like you 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 think that maybe you get a trump card. You would think it doesn't. I don't know if you saw the back and forth with some Duke Duke recruit that was talking to Rasheed Wallace at some event. And uh, she was like, you know, who ended Coach K's career? And the Duke crew was like, UNC didn't make the tournament last year. Like, to me, <laughs> the thing would be, we sent your Hall of Fame coach home the final four. Uh-huh. You would uh-huh. think that's a trump card, but it yeah. isn't. Yeah. And that's what I was, when everybody, when North Carolina beat Duke, right? And everybody's like, oh, this is that trump card. I was like, it really isn't. You think beating your rival in the final four on the way to a championship would be a trump card. And it's not, it never, the trash talk never stopped with Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Even after beating them in the final four, even after beating the defending champions two years later, yeah. it just doesn't stop. Cause there's always something. So there's never a trump card. Yeah. Proof. Indiana, even after beating them in the final four. Can we can, can we talk still, can we talk about Indiana? You talked about 2035 days and everything that's happened in your relationship. How many days have been since he hit that shot and they still act like it just happened? Like he they act like he just not hit it. Here here's my thing about that. And I I tweet about it when that that uh, that that uh, tweet went around of some Indiana fan fest and they had that Christian Watford reenact the watch shot. And I mean, it's sad. First of all, Keith Smart's got to be like, if you're going to recreate a last second shot, I want a championship, right? Like you would, you would think, right. And baseline jumper halfway behind the backboard too. And so anytime you do that, Indiana fans are like, oh, Kentucky fans so mad. I'm like, look, when it happened, it stung. Like, yes, that was unbelievable when it happened. But Indiana fan, that is not my memory of the 2011-2012 college basketball season. Mm -hmm. Regardless of of the point that we beat them in the tournament, which is one, if you ever watch that game, it's fantastic. The referees are like, we're going to let them play. And he's like, you're not going to score more points than us. I love that game. Mm-hmm. It was 100 to whatever it was. Like, y'all not going to outscore us. Yeah. I loved it. Like, mm-hmm. we just going to do this. Great. But no, no, I don't look back. and I'm like, oh, you know. I, and I, I went back and forth to the Indiana fam. Like, man, I can give you losses that sting more than that one. Yeah. St- st- starting with St. Peter's. Yeah. You know, starting with uh, Marquette and Dwayne Wade, no three. Like, I can give you off the top of my head games that hurt more than that, uh, not only in the tournament, but you regular season losses. Uh, 
There was the uh, uh, Isaac Humphrey slam of the ball, technical foul uh, game against A&M. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. crazy foul calls with Tyler Eulis and that team at Kansas. Like, I can yeah. – that's not even talking about VMI and Santa Barbara, whoever else Billy G <laughs> lost to. The Edgar, to me, the Edgar Sosa shot from Louisville where he banked in that three-pointer from 30 feet, that yeah. hurt more than the Watford. Like, yeah. I can I can do this all day. But the point I was making is, look, I know, life's short. Why should I care? Do things that make you happy. But I'm like, would Villanova bring Chris Jenkins back to replay that shot that won a national championship? Would would Duke trot out Christian Leitner to replay his shot? Mm-hmm. Right? Would NC State bring back Wittenberg and, and, and Charles to replay that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one championships, right? I'm like, but even at the Kentucky level, I mean, I don't know what Brandon Knight's up to, but I would not ask him to come back and replay that shot over Aaron Crabb. Right, right. <laughs> or get Aaron Harrison back to hit those shots, you know, from the left hand side. Like, I wouldn't see that happening. Or get our man Cameron to redo the shot against. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> but then I did think, you know what? There would be some things I would pay to see. Would I pay to see Tayshawn go through his five-shot progression on the three? <laughs> I probably would pay to see that. That's what I tweeted out. Like, would I pay to see Jamal McGlure put some random person in a Duke shirt <laughs> in the rack like he did Wojo? Yeah, I'd probably pay to see that. So they may be on to something there. But, like, are we going to bring Anthony Davis back to replay that block shot against North Carolina? No. Like, is Malik Monk going to come back and redo that, you know, that that three-point shot where he was telling Cal he's going to shoot it? And Cal's like, you better hit it. And he hits it. You know, are we, are we going to do that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Indiana, it, it's such a weird situation for them. Yeah. Uh, and people are like, do you want to play them? Uh, you know, I could take it or leave it. Used to I, I mean I used to I mean Grunt coming up I mean sounds like they were one of the rivals right there with Louisville it, to me it was Indiana Louisville Tennessee twice and North Carolina that was my that was my five that you know and now I that you couldn't have told me twenty years ago however long it's been that I would be mad. Yeah, if we played Indiana or not, but that's that's what it is. And, and you have to think about it. When where I grew up in the city of Louisville, think about this. I mean, honestly, from 1976 to 1987, that's three titles for Indiana, two for Louisville, one for Kentucky. All these Final Fours, like, and the way Louisville sits, of course, in Kentucky, bordering Louisville. I mean, to, I grew up college basketball. That was the mecca to me. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will tell you, uh, you know, the Big East during that time and, and ACC, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you've got three great, great programs at the, at the top of their game. The undefeated Indiana team and then Isaiah Thomas and his greatness. And, and you know, honestly, Kentucky might have been number three during that stretch Uh 
I mean, there's, there's a, you know, don't get me wrong. I love my cats, but during that stretch, they might have been the third team. Yo. Because what? One in 78. Final four in 84. Should have won it, but they, yeah, they. Right. Your Louisville had level one, two. Then they went, they went to the final four in 83. Also. 83. Yeah. And so, uh, there's another final four they went to. Is that 82? Maybe it's 82. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sure. But my but my point is, you know, between those three teams, that was a triangle of greatness. Yeah. At a very high level. And I think honestly, the people that grew up, you kind of overlooked that because it was the peak when everything was great. It just really kind of didn't hit because Kentucky Louisville didn't play. Yeah. Until 83. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's part of why people outside of the of our region don't think the Kentucky Louisville rivalry is as good as uh, Duke in uh, North Carolina. I would say it's it's better, more intense. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, back to Indiana. But I'm like, <laughs> one, number one, it wasn't just Kentucky fans responding to that. Like you got Purdue fans saying, "Okay, that's a little much." There's other fans like. Come on, like have some self-respect. And like I told this IU fan, you're making it hard. When I rank my top programs all time, you know this. I still keep Indiana at number, is it five or six? Six. And I said, people keep saying, like, you can't put it in. And I do. But then you do stuff like this. (laughs) And and I I might have to switch out – uh, Villanova or something. Villanova or uh, UConn yeah. might get your seat at the table, yeah. IU fans. Yeah. I, I just because I can't see any other fan base doing that for a w- game in December. Because when when the the rival school when when two rival schools agree, like Purdue and Kentucky agree that. In, like what are y'all doing? Like you said, Purdue people are like, it's like the two the two twins in Corbin that you know, are probably gonna go to Kentucky now. They just got eligible to play. They came from Michigan and now they're in Corbin. And uh, Kentucky, if the recruiting heads think Kentucky's gonna flip them to Michigan, identical twin defensive lineman. But some Michigan podcast went and took a shot. Well, that's why y'all are gonna go to the Liberty Bowl. Good luck. Blah blah blah. And you had Ohio State and Michigan State people in the comments like, man, have some class, have some respect. When when rivals are uniting, <laughs> that lets you know you shouldn't have hit send on what you what you're saying. That, that's how you all need to know. And it's and honestly, IU fans, I it I think initially the big hubbub with the popcorn boxes and the display at Alumni Hall. I think, yeah, that's a lot of Kentucky fan rivalry. I, I get that. But now it's to the point, dog, y'all got to move on, man. Like, I mean, is Valpo reenacting the shot with Bryce Drew? Like, I mean, is that is that what we're doing now? Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. It just, it's weird because I'm like, you've got history. Yeah. Because all these IU fans, they're not talking about the Keith Smart or Calbert Chaney, still the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer, or Damon Bailey, or even the Kirk Haston team that went to the O2 finals. They don't talk about that. Yeah. Or Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Or they not thumping they look, my thing was if Indiana wants to thump their chest 
over the 2015 Cats and be like, you know, we still the last undefeated team. Y'all didn't get it done. That to me is okay. That's fair game. But the Watford shot, like, I don't know any Kentucky fan the last decade that's been like, man, that really bums me out. It honestly doesn't. Of course I was mad when it happened. Yeah. But it doesn't bother me like that. And I, and I get, like I said, I can give examples, postseason and regular season, of shots that hurt more than that. Mm-hmm. You're right, absolutely right. One other thing, man, happened over the weekend. We uh, had the war show for the BS3 Network, and a couple of years ago, we brought home a consistent award for a consistent podcast. We got nominated for like four this time. The, Podcast of the year, this sports podcast, most consistent podcast, and oh, for having the best guest, what we had, you know, we've been talking about Roy, had Roy on. Uh, didn't win, but we got nominated for four, and you know, it was, I saw some of the YouTube stream, and uh, oh. <laughs> It's an honor to be nominated, but you know, yes, it is. five dogs said, I never let a statue tell me how nice I am. So, <laughs> That's no, I, it, it, it's all good. You know, we, we do it because we want to have fun. But, yeah, uh, yo, yeah, congrats to the winners and everything like that. It is an honor to be nominated. Yeah, well, uh, and, so I'll, and, I'll, I'll take it like that. I, I ain't gonna do like Eddie Murphy when he didn't win the Oscar and he left. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you're right with the five, man. We've we got, you know. I'm just glad to be, you know, glad to be nominated and not only nominated once, nominated four different times. So a bunch of different categories. So we do what we do, man, and just just having fun with it. And the nomination was some recognition. That was that was that was nice. So yeah. Uh, I think know, our guy our guy Andre Jones like won everything. He was man, he, he was, kills it. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations to him and Doc and all those other winners, like you said. Uh, Andre was so many, man, he was even at a different awards show. He wasn't even at this one. So he was getting awards up in your neck of the woods in Memphis with, with all the fans. So he, he's doing that Mike Jack at the <laughs> uh, Grammys that year, 83 and 4, whatever it was, with all the Grammys like that. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So uh, congratulations. Appreciate the nominations. And, you know, we'll keep on, keep on doing what we're doing, man, trying to. Get good guests. We got football coming up. Actual games about to happen. Yeah, you know, have other the, stuff to talk about besides coaches and the, schools acting silly. The women's uh, soccer team at UK kicked off the year. Uh, <laughs> first, first dub on the books for uh, Kentucky athletics for this school year. So, uh, another drive to uh, you know top ten uh, directors cup finish. That's it. That's it. Because I, I like, I like, you know, I got women's soccer, and you know, I support. I'm all cats, everything, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking about before you came on, Kenny Harrison just advanced to the finals and her hurdles event, and we, you know, friend of the show, and yeah, uh, doing big things on the track front. We're seeing world hey, records, and hey. it's a, it's a it's a it's a track school, man. Like, yeah. uh, so I did have a conversation with our man uh, A Dot White. You know, talking about, you know, I guess on their Sunday show, should Stoops or Cal get a uh, get a statue? Uh-huh. And I'm like, I you know, 
please, for the love of God, can the game start? <laughs> you know, look, this is what happens around my birthday. State fairs start going on, and then the sports debates, because baseball has drug on, and we just run out of stuff to be upset about. Like, there's a debate. I don't know if you saw it. Who was better between John Wall and Tyler Eulis? And then somebody said John Wall was underrated or overrated. I'm sorry. Justin Rowland. Said, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, okay, say he ain't your cup of tea, but he's underrated. Well, why? Because of these little things. That's why I tweeted out today. <laughs> you know, Anthony Davis only shot three for 20 from three-point range. So maybe his year wasn't as good as we thought. <laughs> Did you know that uh, for his career, Jamal Mashburn had more turnovers than assists? Maybe he wasn't as good as we thought, too. Like, what are we doing, man? Like, I remember that. Like, what are we doing? Just, just nitpicking, man. Just, just sifting. So, through. I'm just like, can we please, please, please get to the real games? Uh, this because this always happens. You know, who's your favorite uh, point guard under Cal? Like, I, I don't know, man. Like. Mm. My only thing is, it seems like we rate Andrew Harrison too low. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's just me. But I'm like, I don't know. We've had some really good ones. We've had some great ones. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, but the statue thing, and I'm like, there's not a statue of Rupp, is there? I don't think there is. No, I don't think so. I mean, he's got the arena, obviously, and I know Joe B has the statue on the bench outside of uh, uh, the the lodge, but and on the football side, it's just Nate Northington to them, right? There's yeah. no other statues. Uh-uh. So, but but my old thing was like, I don't one, I don't think we do the statue thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, but you know, it it becomes this football versus basketball thing is. You know, well, look what Stoops did. He won where he wasn't supposed to win. And and I'm like, but you can still recognize when someone does a great job, even after the dude. Like Roy Williams still needs his props for succeeding Dean Smith. Yeah. Like, it's okay uh, to do that. But I'm like, if you're going to do that, then we need something at the track fields. For all the track stuff, mm-hmm. That's true. right? We need Coach Skinner to get something for what he's built—an absolute juggernaut mm-hmm. at uh, at Kentucky. So I don't know, but I, I don't think we do statues. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's no Bear Bryant statue. Nope. And I don't know if I would call uh, the Joe B thing a statue. That's more of a sculpture than like an out and out statue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's just that's just me. I mean, I, I just never saw Kentucky as being the statue kind of thing. Like we're gonna make some T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But but more than the statue, can we at least get some people's names in the rafters at Rupp? That's you know. <laughs> Man, don't open that. I don't don't open that kind of worm. We don't have the time for that. The, but but that's a to me that's a thing too. We need to get that done. It's way too many hurdles in front of that for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> and, and I don't even know what they do. do we, we got some stuff at uh, Com- I'm, see, I'm saying Commonwealth because still Kroger Field, which reminds me, the arena closest to you is Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Court or something like that. All those jokes they had about 
Kentucky being a having a supermarket name. <laughs> well, look at that! How the turntables have turned. <laughs> but I ain't got no <laughs> jokes except to say, eh, turntables have turned, man. Yeah. That's, uh, so, hey, you know, everybody, everybody getting money for that and getting. <laughs> And whoever can slap their name on it, it will, whatever it is, you know, grocery stores, car parts, Napa Auto, <laughs> whoever it is. It's I mean, we, we've we seen it, you know, with the, the patches on people. Like, some of this stuff I've never heard of before. What are we doing? Uh-huh. Like, how has this company got enough money to get on the Yankees uniforms? Right. Uh-huh. I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and when the Lakers got that uh, signed that thing with crypto, I was like, ah, I don't know about advertising funny money. That don't sit right with me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But here we are, man. And yeah, the real games, stop. real games, going to start soon because yeah. I can't. You know, would you take sophomore Tyler Ulysses versus hypothetical uh, John Wall, sophomore John Wall, bro? What? <laughs> <laughs> and and look, I get what Justin was saying. There was a lot of things that, that John Wall left, little small things. But I'm like, but when he was great, he was so brilliant and overshone that. He was scintillating, as Dickie V likes to say. Well, and people, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that's right. He was SEC Player of the Year consensus, first team All-American. Like, I'm not making up how good he was. Yeah. We saw and it. Then, then it's the people, you know, you don't see what I'm Okay. All right. Yeah. Every Everybody else is con except you see that this person's no. Yeah, okay. I got you. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like you said, the real game's almost here. Kentucky's not this weekend, but we, you get a little dose with some Navy, Notre Dame, and USC play somebody and. I think Vanderbilt plays Hawaii. There's a few games this Saturday to get the appetite a little wet. And I'll then, watch. You know, it's it's better than nothing. So yeah, and special <laughs> birthday shout out to Michelle. That's right. Another no, August. No, August, no, like you. Hey, no holidays, but a lot of birthdays, man. <laughs> and so Michelle and uh, Oscar Combs is 59th wedding anniversary. Him and his lovely wife. So I saw him tweeting that out. So yeah, on that. So. And it, it today would have been Kobe's forty fifth birthday. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. And it's uh, my stepson's birthday. He turns twenty today. He's twenty. So he's the twenty third. And my sister is forty three today. So August all over the place. Yeah, he's finally old enough so I can reenact training day with him. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I've been saying you tweet that out. Okay. That's right. That's right. I told I told I told Kate. I said he's old enough for me to, you know, I'm gonna get me an eighty three, you know, uh uh Monte Carlo. We go drive around. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> you know, I, I got the leather jacket. I'm ready no, to go, man. That's it. It's time we go. Y'all look that's out. Right. It's coming. That's right. Stay stay tuned. That's right. <laughs> Man, take it easy on that boy now. <laughs> he old enough. He adult. He ready. That's right. He grown now. He grown. That's right. Because it's sexy. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Because you, you you do the Dusty Baker. You do your Denzel. So can't wait to see what you do with the young fella. With, with oh, yeah. We're going we, we gonna to get it together. But always good, man. Thanks, Gabrielle, for stopping by. 
Absolutely. And, uh, we'll we'll do it as we get closer to these games, man. That's right. Because please, Lord, let these let these games come. Because I can't be debating now. <laughs> if you're looking for a small four, oh my god! <laughs> like I just I can't. I, I, I can't I can't get it, man. It's just like what what are we doing here, man? Can't we just say both of those guys was great? This is too it's too easy for him. So don't let them don't let them get your blood pressure up, man. That's right. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. We'll do it next week. Yeah, like we always do. We'll see y'all then. Got tentatively got our guy uh David Davis hasn't been on in a long time. He was, you know, played wide out for NC State and Baylor. And, you know, he give us his thoughts on, on Devin Leary. We, we like – we got a bunch of Wolfpack coming over here. Devin Leary, the running back. So we can get his thoughts on them since he watched them more closely than we did. So that would be fun. And, yeah. You know, and whatever else this you – know, getting your blood pressure up between now and then. <laughs> Well, man, appreciate everybody for another episode of Cast Talk Wednesday. Appreciate the BS3 Network. Appreciate TV. Appreciate Gabrielle Starr. We'll see everybody a week from tonight. Yes, sir.